Thank you. You may be seated. Our second scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 16 through 30 in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Then he began to reproach the cities in which most of his deeds of power had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. For if the deeds and power done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Well, Sherry, I have a very easy name that tune this morning. This one is so easy, it's almost embarrassing. I, I, it's just, it really is embarrassing because it's so easy. And so I'm just going to start the lyrics. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Cause I try and I try and I try. I can't get no. That's the name of the song by the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. Corey, you familiar with the Rolling Stones? Okay, good, good. Okay, yeah. Um, satisfaction. Or more specifically, being satisfied seems to be one of those more elusive concepts in our world today. As many of you know, Laura and I have been kind of doing a tag team house sitting for Rachel while she's been in South Africa. And I was there Thursday, Friday, and yesterday, and it was Friday that uh, I made one of my daily trips to Walmart in Starkville and uh, Highway 12. Y'all familiar? Uh, some of y'all who are Starkville familiar with Highway 12. And um, so I go to Walmart and then I'm going to go get me something to eat. So I go all the way down 12 and there's a place called Cookout that Rachel has told me about. And they've got burgers and barbecue. And so I got me a barbecue and they also had fresh watermelon shakes. 
real watermelon in the shake. Very tasty, very refreshing. And so I get my barbecue and my watermelon shake, and I'm cruising on down Highway 12, going back toward Highway 25 uh, to, to go to Rachel's house. And there's a red light up ahead. For those of you that know, it's between where the Kroger is and where the Walmart is. There's a red light, but it was green, and I'm just going along, and then I realize all the cars in my lane are stopped, even though it's a green light. And I come to an abrupt halt, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I almost hit the car in front of me. And then I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and there's a car barreling down on me, and I'm going, stop, 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 stop. And I mean, he comes to a stop and does not hit me. But the car behind him hit him, and he hit me. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe this. And so there's a three, three of us there, and I start to open my door, and I see the, the third car start pulling out. And I'm telling you all the way I'm going to die one day, I'm going to get shot by a motorist. I just know it's going to happen. Because as the third car starts pulling around, I'm getting out saying, no, no, you're not leaving. You're not leaving. And uh, he comes around, rolls his window down, and he says, there's, there's no damage, but I'll pull over to the side if you want me to to make sure. I said, yes, as I'm shaking. I said, yes, let's do that. And so I motioned to the guy behind me. I said, we're going to pull out, and he nods, yes, shaking as well. So all three of us pull into the parking lot of the bank there. We get out of our cars. We look at all three cars. And I'm telling you, I could have sworn, that, and this was Martha's car, by the way, that, that there would be a huge dent in the back of the car. There were no scratches. I mean, it's, it's like nothing happened. I, you know, I opened up the, the hatch, and, and nothing was there. And so you know, the guy in the second car, I mean, he kind of got a double dose. I mean, boom, boom. And so I told him, I said, it was really loud. I can't believe there's no damage. And he said, well, yeah, it kind of jarred me a little bit, too. I said, well, me, too. The three of us just look, and we just decided, you know, there's no reason, there's no reason to call the police. There's just nothing here. And so the three of us decided just to go our merry ways, and so I, you know, got back shakily in the car and, and went my merry way. The three of us were satisfied that everything was okay. But that doesn't happen very often, that we are satisfied. In fact, we're almost never satisfied. I love to talk with my students about this. When it's 100 degrees outside and the humidity is just horrible and uh, it used to be called the heat index, but now it's the feels like. It feels like it's 108 or whatever. We're saying we just can't wait until wintertime gets here. All of us but Amy. Uh, but when then it's when they're in the dead of winter and it's just so cold outside, we can't wait until the warm sunshine and and spring and summer gets here. When it rains, it rains too much. When it doesn't rain, it's too dry. And we're saying, when is it ever going to rain again? We never seem to be satisfied. I saw a commercial uh, for belts this past Friday night. The company is called Comfort Click. Okay. They say they're selling the perfect belt, and the way their ad begins is some belts are too loose, some belts are too tight, 
thumb belts are just right. Then, of course, they advertise their perfect belt that adjusts to where it can be perfect every time. I mean, just name something, and the rest of us in this room can tell you why some of us are not satisfied with it. And it even happens in our spiritual lives and our church life. Yes, it does. In regard to churches, we all know and hear about church splits. Some in here have been a part of a church split. Well, a church split doesn't happen if everyone is satisfied. Okay? And the same can happen in our spiritual lives. Looking at our passage from Matthew, first of all, I would like for you to know that this passage comes across as what we call an unfolding passage. Each portion of it unfolds upon the next portion. or I guess you could say that each portion builds upon what came before it. We begin with a pretty heavy dissatisfaction. Look again at these first verses, and I'm going to read from the message. Jesus says, how can I account for this generation? The people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We wanted to skip rope, and you were always too tired. We wanted to talk, but you were always too busy. John came fasting, and they called him crazy. I came feasting, and they called me a lush a friend of the riffraff. It's like you're never satisfied. You're like Goldilocks. You do remember the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. Easton, you remember the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. I mean, can you imagine living with Goldilocks? This porridge is too hot. This porridge is too cold. Ooh, this one's just right. Like, come on, Goldilocks, if it's too hot, blow on it. Put an ice cube in it. If it's too cold, zap it in the microwave. This bed is too hard. This bed is too soft. Ooh, this one is just right. Goldilocks had to have everything just right. Well, hey, Goldilocks, I slept on a Coleman air mattress a couple of nights this week. Get over it. But doesn't this sound just like the folks Jesus was talking to in our passage from Matthew? Listen again, this time from the New Revised Standard. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's a no-win situation. I mean, he was John the Baptist, and he doesn't measure up to their expectations. I mean, he is... He is kind of out there, really. Doesn't fit into our mold. He's, he's too reclusive. He's a loner. He's way too serious. When you see him, he's always yelling about repentance. You know, he really needs to get out more. He needs to socialize. Eat somewhere besides the Locust and Honey Cafe, maybe. Then we have Jesus. Oh, my goodness. He goes too far in the other direction. He drinks and eats too much. He can be seen at parties and get-togethers, which John the Baptist would not darken the door. That's right. He eats and drinks with the wrong kinds of people. Maybe he needs to go to the Locust and Honey Cafe with John more often. Essentially, the crowd is saying that John and the God that John represents is just too severe and harsh 
while Jesus and the God he represents is just too accepting and tolerant. Just like Goldilocks. They want their religious leader to be just right, which pretty much means just like them. You see, they cannot be satisfied, and I might add, if we're going to be honest, neither can we. These verses where this dissatisfaction is noted unfold into the following verses where Jesus essentially throws down on the cities that are not following him. It's like he's saying, what else can I do? You've seen all these signs and wonders and still you don't believe? And then it's like the ultimate insult to declare to them that if he had done the same things in front of Sodom, a city which God destroyed, that Sodom would remain until this day. It's really a very scorching rebuke. But it's also a continuation of what we saw in the previous verses. You know, you're never satisfied. And this unfolds into the prayer that follows. And listen to this from the message. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And then the message says that Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now very tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. With anyone willing to listen. And the implication is someone not just willing to listen, but someone willing to be satisfied. Again, staying with the theme of this passage, Jesus reiterates that the ways of God are not necessarily our ways, that we don't have all the answers. Things don't always have to be just right for us. But ponder this, we can be satisfied even though things are not just right. Think about it. We can be satisfied even though things are not just right. Folks, that is a revolutionary, life-changing concept to those willing to listen to Jesus. And then he tells us why we can be satisfied. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy my burden is light. 
think it's interesting that Maxine read from the King James because I learned these verses from the King James. Come unto me, all ye that labor, labor and are heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, Jesus tells us. Come to me. This is probably one of the more quoted and popular sayings of Jesus. I've preached on it before. And most of the time when referring to these verses, we think of coming to Jesus when we are tired and weary and when it seems that everything is weighing so heavily upon us. We come to Jesus and he helps with the burden, helps carry our burden. And I'm not disputing that interpretation. However, sometimes I think we do this whole passage a disservice when we stop there. For we certainly know and can attest that Jesus is the one to whom we can turn when the burden seems too heavy. We could have testimony time this morning and we would hear countless stories to that effect. But why place those kinds of limits on this passage? And for that matter, upon our relationship with Jesus. For you see, as believers, we don't have to come to Jesus when we are burdened. He's already there. He's already with us when we are burdened and when we are not. When, for instance, our load seems so light that it's like, you know, there, there, we don't have a care in the world, maybe. Jesus is with us. Of course, when our burden becomes a little bit heavier and it starts wearing us down, we know that Jesus is still with us. He is with us regardless. And so we really have no excuse for not being satisfied regardless of what our burden might look like or feel like. I think the Apostle Paul understood this. He ends his letter to the Philippians by thanking them for a gift they had given him and then he writes the following, and I'm reading from the message. He writes, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess, happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me, not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one, that is Christ, who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. 
It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. I can make it through anything, and here's the key, in the one who makes me who I am. In Christ, through Christ, I can make it through anything. You see, Paul settled the Goldilocks dilemma in his life. I really believe he came to a point to where the word T-O-O did not mean that much to him. Too much of this or too little of that. He had learned to live into this phrase from Jesus, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He had learned to allow Jesus to share that yoke, to share that burden with him. And so how do we get beyond the Goldilocks dilemma? Well, I must say it's easier said than done or we wouldn't even be talking about it. And it may be different for each one of us. My way of doing this might not be the same as yours and our ways might not be the same as the Apostle Paul's. But a good starting place is taking Jesus at his word. To try it and see. Just try consciously to remove the word T-O-O from so much of our vocabulary. Try living into the rest that Jesus says he provides for our very souls. Try living into the contentment that only Jesus can bring. Because you know what? The alternative is that we're never going to be satisfied. Because very seldom in this world are things going to be just right. It just doesn't happen often. And when it does happen, the satisfaction is going to be temporary. The Goldilocks dilemma is too strong to resist in our own strength. But when Jesus tells us to come to him, to find our rest for our souls in him, there is no limitation on his presence with us. And that's good news. Let's pray. God, our Father, we...